It's a good morning. It's so good to be together on this Good Friday to think about the day that changes everything. Well, Good Friday changes everything. You know, uh, God's love for us, God's pursuit of us, God's desire for fellowship with us lands him hanging and dying on a rugged Roman cross. The most degrading and dehumanizing form of public death the Son of God, the Savior of the world, hanging on a cross. God the Son endured the accusations, the humiliation, the scourging, the suffering, but more than that, Christ died for us. As we heard in that video, for the hopeless, he gives hope unconditionally. If you have been rejected, he accepts you completely. For the burdened, lay your fears and burdens at the foot of the cross, and maybe you have some fears and burdens today. And when you come to Christ, you are no longer a slave, but an heir of God, his child, his chosen, his beloved. And let me say this morning, whether you're in this auditorium, in the foyer, on live stream, and we have many people on live stream this morning as well, that whoever you are, whatever you have done, the cross says that you are deeply loved by God, deeply loved by God. The late Billy Graham wrote, God proved his love on the cross. When Christ hung and bled and died, it was God saying to the world, I love you. We are the beloved of God. And friends, Good Friday is the guarantee that no matter what you have done in life, God does not hate you. God, in fact, loves you and desires you to come back into a relationship with him. We heard these words in Romans 5, you see it just at the right time. When we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Friends, we know this morning that a person might die for a good person. Is what Paul writes in Romans. You might die for a friend. You might be willing to give up your life to bring hope to others. He says, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. And we know that men and women, boys and girls, will often give their lives for someone that they love. And uh, I love to collect those stories of selfless courage and love. Of course I do. I'm a preacher, right? <laughs> I need the stories to remind us, to give us a glimpse of the beauty of Christ's sacrifice for us. And in uh, about five years ago, 2018, there was a, a, a terrorist claiming allegiance to Islamic State of Iraq and Levant, the ISIS group, stormed a supermarket uh, in Trobay, armed with a handgun, a hunting knife, and three homemade bombs. He shot two people dead and took others hostage. The police negotiated for the release of the hostages and Lieutenant, uh, Lieutenant Arno Beltram, you have a photograph of him on your screen, he offered, listen to this, he offered to take the place of the final person there, the female cashier. He said, I will take her place, set her free, substitute me for her. And he set his mobile phone on the table with a line open so that police outside could monitor the activity inside 
that hostage situation. After three hours standoff, the terrorist stabbed and shot the police officer, Beltrain. They found that he had sustained four bullet wounds, but died from stab wounds to the throat. They said about him, his brother said he didn't have a chance. He went beyond the call of duty. He gave his life for strangers. He must have known that he really didn't have a chance. If that doesn't make him a hero, I don't know what would. The French president, Emmanuel Macron, wrote, he fell as a hero, exceptional courage and selflessness. He deserves the respect and admiration of the whole nation. Friends, there are courageous people, selfless people. Paul admits that in the book of Romans, who will give their lives for others. There's a terrible mass shooting at a Christian school in Asheville, USA, very recently. Pastor Greg Laurie, who's a pastor in the United States, writes about a young girl who lost her life. You'll have a photo on the screen now. So this little girl is a hero, a genuine hero. Her name is Evelyn Dykehouse. She was trying to pull the fire alarm to warn others at her school when she lost her life. Jesus said, greater love has no man than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. John 15, verse 13. He writes, her name is instead of was. That's because Evelyn is very much alive right now. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. Little Evelyn believed in Jesus, and she is with him in heaven, safe now in the hands of God. May God comfort her family as only he can. And friends, when we hear stories like that, and there are multiple stories around the world, you think, yes, I, I wish I would act with equal courage, with equal selflessness, if I was put in that position, that I would lay down my life for those I love, maybe even a stranger. But what we have in the Bible is that Jesus is not dying for his family and his friends. He's not dying, in a sense, for those who are on his side. He says he is dying for his enemies. That's startling. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. You see, we were powerless to save ourselves. We were the ungodly. We were rebels. We turned away from God. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, verse 8. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Have the picture of the fist raised and the picture there. Because in a sense, the humanity is said to God, I'll do it my way, God. Stay out of my life. It started in the Garden of Eden. It has continued through the generations and it continues today. God, I want to do it my way. In the words of Frank Sinatra. Don't tell me how to run my life, God. I know better than you, God. And what it does, it puts us under the judgment of God. You know, to be ungodly or a sinner means that uh, you make yourself king in your life rather than the true king of the universe. It leads to adultery and selfishness and violence and pride and immorality and abuse. The list can go on, can't it? It leads to war in Ukraine. It leads to injustice in the law courts. It leads to terrorism around the world. When we say no to God, we become his enemies and it outflows and a variety of sins and failures. Now, our rebellion may be active, and you may know people like this. I don't believe in God, I'll do things my way. Maybe you're like that today. Maybe someone dragged you along the church. Maybe you're watching on live stream thinking, yeah, yeah, my family members brought me again. 
I don't want to listen to God. Don't tell me about God. But your rebellion may be passive. You're not actively fighting God. You haven't joined the atheist society. You're just, just living your life, ignoring God. Quiet, happy, moral life. Go to work, go to study, go on holidays. But God does not have first place in your life. You know, I was at a, at a wedding once. I was talking to my, there's a Greek, bunch of Greek people there. And they asked me about my, my, my background and, uh, and how I'd become a Christian and so on. Uh, but it was interesting because I said to them, you know, having come to Christ, as a young person, I was a moral, obedient child, a high achiever at school and at sport. I never did drugs. I was not sexually immoral, never joined a gang and spent no time in prison. But I needed the cross too. I needed Good Friday too. Because despite having not done those big sins, as we might see them, I was selfish. I had rejected God. I too needed a saviour to die for me. And for as only as I read the Bible that I came to understand that. Although I, was a, I had a belief in God, I, until I opened the Bible and started to read what the Bible had to say, passages like this one, I didn't realise I needed a saviour. The Bible says, All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23 Whoever you are, no one is perfect. We all need saving. We may not detonate bombs or deal in drugs or act violently, or, but we do sin. We fail to live that perfect life. And the Bible says more than that, that not only do we sin, but the wages of sin is death. What we deserve for our rebellion towards God and turning our face away from Him and raising our fists at Him in different ways is death, physical, spiritual, eternal, Romans 6.23. And the Bible guarantees in Hebrews 9.27, for example, it is appointed unto man once to die. So we will face judgments. And friends, we don't know when that will take place. We don't know how long we have to live on this earth. And uh, I have some friends at the moment who um, are shocked by the sudden death of family members and it brings great grief to them. It could be at different ages. But whenever that takes place, I'm not here to scare you, whenever that takes place, we will face judgment. And what God has done on Good Friday, though, brings us hope. It changes everything. It turns enemies and rebels into friends and sons of God. You see, at just the right time when we are still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. It was an act of grace. We didn't deserve it. We deserve divine punishment. We received divine sacrifice. And thirdly, Christ died to save us when we were enemies from our sins. God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And 1 Peter chapter 3.18 is a beautiful verse. It says, For Christ died for sins, who for once for all, that's all of us, that's the good news, the righteous, he's the perfect one, for the unrighteous, that's us, who failed in different ways, to bring us to God. So when Christ is hanging up on the cross there, dying, trying to breathe, as I said, trying to stay alive a bit longer, as he's offering forgiveness to those who are crucifying him, as he offers forgiveness and eternal life to the thief who was crucified next to him, today you'll be with me in paradise, he's even on the cross showing grace, showing forgiveness, showing mercy, even there in his final moments, he's offering grace. He offers us that same grace, that same forgiveness. 
to be reconciled to God. You know, when Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, Jesus wasn't surprised that he was dying on a cross. He said, it is for this reason that I come to die on a cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? At that moment, friends, it seems as if Jesus is feeling the judgment of God upon himself for the sins of the world. It's as if the Father turns his face away as we sing. Judgment falls on Jesus. He dies in our place that we can be reconciled to God. And because of that, our eternal salvation is secure, verse 9. Since we have been justified by his blood, that means we are declared right with God through his blood, his sacrifice, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? If God has saved us when we were enemies, now that we're friends, we don't have to experience his wrath or his judgment. Friends, you can die confident that you will die and go to be with Jesus. Don't you want that? <laughs> that you die, and, and I'm, let me say, I'm ready to die at any moment. So I say to people, I have no guarantee that I will have even finished this sermon this morning, but you hope I do. Right? We're not as a guarantee, but because of the finished work of Jesus, we can have the assurance that we don't, <coughs> excuse me, we don't face his wrath but we find his forgiveness. That's why the late Billy Graham, again, let me just quote him again, talking about his own upcoming death, he said, someday you will read or hear that Billy Graham is dead. Don't you believe a word of it? I shall be more alive than I am now. I will have just have changed my address. I will have gone into the presence of God. Friends, I've served this, at this church for almost 26 years now. So if you're new here and a, a number of new people here this morning, it's been a blessing to be here those 26 years. But over those times, uh, we have lost deeply faithful members of our church. Men and women who trusted in Christ, who believed in what happened on Good Friday, who believed and trusted in the resurrection of Jesus Christ on, the, uh, on Easter Sunday, and then lived their lives for God and for His glory. And they faced death with courage because they knew God personally. They trusted in the finished work of Jesus. They did not fear God's judgment because Jesus had already accepted their judgment or the judgment on their behalf. Are you confident this morning? You know, sometimes we come to church week after week, year after year, and I say to you, do you, are you confident not in yourself, but in the work of Jesus? Friends, the only thing any of us have is to come to the cross, come to the death of Christ, and to the resurrection, put our hope in Him. There was a young woman who was killed tragically a number of years ago, simply, I think, on, on a camp, they were at a, a park in Hornsby Heights at a campsite. Middle of the night, there was a storm. I thought, we're going to get a storm this morning. It may come later. And the storm knocked over the tree, hit the tent, and two young women, teenagers, passed away. But it's interesting how, how God works. And she was prepared for eternity because she wrote just 10 days before she passed away. She had written a letter in her diary. She, she was one of these young, committed Christian women who would just document what God was doing in her life. And she wrote this, it's just amazing. Lord, thank you that my time on earth is running short so that, so that I can go to, to you. Thank you for giving me the opportunity on earth to serve you. Thank you that to live is Christ, to die is gain. How does that work? Ten days before she went to glory. Because of Good Friday, she knew she was secure for eternity. Because of Easter Sunday, she knew that uh, death was not the end, 
there was life to come. And then Paul concludes, for if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Reconciled to God, justified, you're right with God, you have eternal security. Not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Rejoice, rejoice. Friends, we want to be mellow and somber today, don't we? Because it's Good Friday. Almost when they sang that song, it already took us to Easter Sunday, sometimes you think, oh, let's not go there yet. It's still the somber, the darkness of the suffering of our Saviour. Hey, but we're 2,000 years after the event, right? (laughs) We can celebrate at the same time. Because we know that Sunday is coming. They didn't. They were somber and mellow and they thought the world had come to an end, their Saviour was dead. But we know that Christ was raised from the dead. And John Stott writes, writes, Christians should be the most positive people in the world. We cannot mooch around the place with dropping hangdog expressions. We cannot drag our way through life moaning and groaning. We cannot always be looking on the dark side of everything as negative prophets of doom. No, we rejoice in God, he says. Then every part of our life becomes suffused with glory. Christian worship, and that's what we've done this morning, becomes a joyful celebration of God and Christian living a joyful service of God. Some come, let us rejoice in God together, he writes. Friends, Good Friday is reason for rejoicing. It changes everything. God has demonstrated his love. As Billy Graham said, God proved his love on the cross. When Christ hung and bled and died, it was God saying to the world, I love you. And let me say, if you don't know Christ personally, come to him. What a great day to come to him on Good Friday. Come to the cross. Your sins were nailed to the cross. Jesus died for you. When Christ hung and bled and died, he was saying, I love you. Whoever you are, Whatever you've done, welcome home, God says. No longer a slave, but an heir of God, his child, his chosen beloved. What a great story we have to believe in, to live out, and to celebrate. Friends, just before I finish, let me say, if if some of this is new to you or um, you'd like to explore further the message of Jesus, just on the booth as you head out in that direction, We have the kids' booth on that side. The booth is our resources booth. There are some New Testaments. Maybe you'd like to read the Gospels for yourself to read more of the story of Jesus. We have a little book called The Case for Easter. We don't have too many of these left, only about 10 of these, exploring the evidence for the death and resurrection of Christ. This fabulous book by uh, Josh McDowell, more than 15 million sold, more than a carpenter. Great introduction to some of your questions to be answered. A little booklet, The Real Easter. Take it, read it for yourself, give it out to someone else. We encourage you to take some of those resources. Let me pray as the band comes up. God, we thank you that you are good and loving and merciful and gracious. Lord, we thank you, Christ, for hanging on the cross for us, for bleeding and dying for us, for telling us you love us. God, we thank you. You are not a God who wants to punish people, but you are a God who wants to offer mercy forgiveness and a new start. We surrender to you today. And Lord, for those who yet do not know you, have not yet experienced your forgiveness, your reconciliation, your peace, your joy, your hope, 
May they come to know that love today and receive it and be transformed. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.